Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and brightest from the world of business, marketing, personal growth, and salsa making. Yes, salsa making to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. My guest today is Matt Bennett, founder of Dreams Aren't This Good, and we'll call it DATG for short. It'll help shorten up the length of this podcast. Just kidding there. And it's the world's first salsa lifestyle brand. We'll get to that. And Matt has spent a good portion of his life coming up with a formula for success he's put into motion since launching in 2018. And Matt, a longtime salsa enthusiast, came up with the idea of DATG while he was in school and then executing on it years later. And prior to launching this awesome salsa brand, lifestyle salsa brand, Matt spent time launching his own t-shirt company, working in a friend's oil company, as well as Be Somebody, which creates digital programming for the business world. And he's also more recently worked as brand development manager for a distribution company until he left to follow his passion in salsa. Since then, Matt has grinded out a solid product line of delicious salsa flavors, which I had the opportunity to enjoy. That pineapple one, man, that's special. That's that's a good one. And put some of his background into fashion studies to work and his line of merchandise and facilitating donations from a portion of the sales to everything and charitable causes. And that's admirable. That's awesome. So let's get right to it. Matt Bennett, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Nice. That's a solid intro. <laughs> I'll send it to you. Yeah. You, could, you could keep it. You could send it yeah. to your, your yeah. family. Like, this is what I do. I made it. Look, check it out. I got this yeah. cool little intro here. But yeah, before exactly. before we get into the salsa story, let's talk about that journey. I would love if you could, you know, just briefly tell us what got you to the point of being, you know, aspiring salsa king in New York. Yeah. So so I think it's it's kind of two parts is usually when I share is, you know, I think part of it is just kind of typical story, right? Is, you know, somebody that likes making something and falls in love with making it and, um, you know, just gives it to friends, right? Like that hobby or early on. And I think for me, so I grew up in Southeast Texas. So hopefully I have some credibility. And, uh, and I, I basically took kind of just the Mexican culture. So heavily part of, you know, Texas, obviously, and went to school in Louisiana and Baton Rouge at LSU. And, started mixing the Cajun part of that into it. And my, my family's all from the South and, and from Louisiana as well. And so I think, you know, that's where it started. And, you know, just taking that and then fast forwarding many years. So now it's been, it's about 15 or 16 years before I actually started this venture. And I just share with people that, you know, I never really did anything about it because I was scared, right? Like I, I was just... I didn't think I was prepared and I didn't even know what prepared meant, right? Is is like, how do you start a salsa company? How do you um, even go about it? What's the what, first step, right? Like, what do exactly. I do? How much money do I need? Do I got to yeah. ask people for money? But like, what do you no, think was I, what, no idea? 
But what do you think uh, was holding you back, right? Like you, you were, you were, you were created the salsa, and I assume in in, in your kitchen, you yep. have done it for years. Friends and family loved it. You were probably the hit of the party. Like, oh, Matt's gonna bring that salsa again, right? Yep. You were that guy, right? Yeah, and, and, and 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 everyone loved it. And you're like, shit, I can make a business. But what do you think that was? That was what were you scared of? Were you scared of the 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 journey that lied ahead of you? Were you scared of failure? What was it? I think both. And then I think the third piece is success. Um, You're scared of success. In a way, I think now today, you know, I think I think every entrepreneur in a way, like I'm 100% confident, more so as we go along, right, and just life. But I think I needed to go through, me personally, I just needed to go through everything I've been through to get to the point of saying, I'm going to do this for real. And and it took living in different states, doing different jobs, some applicable and some just, you know, Joe jobs. But um, I think I started getting into event marketing um, as part of my background. I lived in Atlanta and I worked for a marketing company. And that started opening me, opening me up to like experiential marketing before <laughs> what it was. And before whatever title they slap on it. Yeah, days. exactly. And so I think just really traveling, seeing the country, understanding kind of how to move product um, from one side of the, the puzzle is like the real consumer facing marketing side. And then I kind of stepped away from that. And I think going through all of this, I was just never ready for, you know, and some people are like, well, you're never ready, right? Um, but I think I had to go through that. And then on the other side is so as you mentioned in the intro, this is my fourth startup venture. Um, lots of failures. And as, as but you start- need those, you need those yeah. to build upon. I mean, it sounds and, so cliche at exactly. this point, but when you talk to folks like yourself and you're like, well, if I didn't fail in this capacity in, this, in the first one, yeah. if I didn't do this in the second one, I wouldn't have gotten to this point of the salsa company where I really understood X, Y, Z, consumer marketing, distribution, consumer package, good food, health and safety, like X, Y, and all these million things. Exactly. A hundred percent. And I think all for me, all my ventures have been in different spaces. So from apparel to tech and social to literally getting oil out of the ground um, and always through the whole time of these these 15 years, I, I was like, I got to I, I got to do this. And and I think, you know, three years ago when I stepped away from be somebody um, which is which is still going and, and doing very well. I came to a point where I realized like I'm in New York. I'm in a place where it's kind of unexpected in a way. And I've been through enough to know that I can do it. I've been beat up enough. I've been I've taking your punches. In, yeah. Like I've slept, I, I literally tell people, I'm like, I need to be punched in the face some more like metaphorically because it, I then know that I'm moving in the right direction. Right. I like that. So, so what um, yeah. was, so what was like the impetus, right? What was that kick in the ass to say, all right, no, no, you're going to start this salsa business and get to it. What was that? Was it like, was it a pivotal moment? Was it kind of a culmination of things that were happening in your life? Uh, I think both, but it, it was a moment. So, um, with the previous venture and be somebody, you know, not to get into that, but we had, we had gotten to as a much point. As you want, man. Yeah. So, so we had gotten to a point, I was four years in, um, and really, kind of on the ground floor, um, small startup as well out of Austin, Texas. And we were looking to expand into New York. And so one of my best friends who I live with still currently, 
um, has his own he has his own company, and it's a beauty company. And thankfully, he's doing very well to understand one kind of where we I was, and say, hey man, just come up. Like if y'all are trying to expand, you have an outlet. Like you literally can come up. And so I did, and that was three a little over four years ago. And the first six months in trying to transition, uh, be somebody. The founder got a partnership deal with Kroger in Cincinnati, and we moved the company to Cincinnati. And through that time span, which was about four years in for me, I went to Cincinnati and helped move pivot the company, basically. And in those moments, I realized like I've served my purpose. I've I, I've done everything I can, and I was like, it's time for me to step away and let you keep going. But I'm gonna go back to New York, and I'm gonna figure this out. I'm gonna start a salsa company, and I didn't I didn't know what I was gonna do or how I was gonna do it, but I knew that's what I was supposed to go do. I love it. And what was step one, man? Like, was it like, <laughs> all right, first I gotta come up with the formula, then I gotta come up with the label, like, then I gotta come up with the brand, then I gotta get some money, then I like what? I mean, where do you even start with something like this, man? Yeah, it's it's kind of my ethos of it works for me. And what I mean by that, and I'm evolving. So I kind of, in a way, I, and maybe I'm not, not unique per se in this way, but for me, I kind of just build things back. Like I do it the opposite. And well, you're building the airplane as you're flying it. Yeah, hundred percent and hundred percent. And, um, you know, so I stepped away and I took a little bit and I was like, how do I do this? And so I knew that I had to see the other side. So all my experience had kind of been on the marketing consumer side, but I didn't know how it got there. I was like, how does this even, how does this industry even work? I've, I don't have a food background. I don't, I'm not 20 years in and say, oh, I'll just go start a salsa company now. Um, so I did everything. So I went to, first I went to work for a beverage brand here in New York um, and thankfully got a brand development role, uh, had all of Manhattan, literally went store to store to store building the brand, talking to the and building the those relationships, mm -hmm. just building relationships and understanding how the product gets to the shelf. And then what happens when you need to restock it? And what, what are all the pieces and the players to at least at a basic level, move a brand forward. And so very valuable, great experience. And after about four months there, I spent six months there. And after about four months, I was like, yeah, it's time to go. Like, I'm not trying to move up the ladder here. I know what I want to do, but I don't have the flexibility to go do those things because I have a job, right? And so I left there and I went to work for my my buddy, his beauty company, and I just went to, you know, do what I could there and, and had the flexibility to then jump into this. So it was literally everything. Like, how do you take salsa which i had two flavors at the time so right, we have five yeah. we, we have five now and i had two flavors which is original which is from college and then uh, the og we, recipe yeah the og the base then, yeah. yeah exactly and then we had uh the fighter which is which wasn't called that at the time but it's garlic cilantro and i've been making that for a while as well um and so i took those two flavors and i was like all right, I have two flavors, so here we go. And so I had to figure out how do you take a fresh 
recipe and turn it into shelf stable. Right. The, the, the how do you preserve something? How do you seal it? Like how do you how do you make this? Right. It's one thing to take it to your friend's house for 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 a Sunday barbecue, but it's a whole other thing to package it and ship it and warehouse it and mass produce it. Yeah, exactly. And and you have to make that decision too. Like, do you want to go play the fresh game? Hmm. Like, be in the cooler section. Uh, whole like different, very... whole different price point. Whole different logistics and process. Yeah. So, so you have to make that decision. And so, for me, it was easy to to make that decision because I knew the bigger play. At least I believe um, the bigger play is the shelf stable side. You know, looking at and shipping e commerce. Yeah. Just, yeah. Exactly. So. So just looking at that and how do you take it from fresh to shelf stable while what what's important to me or what's important to us as a brand is, you know, keeping the product clean, no preservatives, vegan. Um, I want everything on my label to be simply red, right? Like if it has blueberries, it has blueberries or avocado or whatever. Not that's blueberry it. flavor number nine. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I didn't know any answers to this. How do you get labels? Um, you can't just do whatever you want on food labels. You, you can't just be like, yeah, oh, I'm not regulate, there's complete FDA regulations on that. Exactly. So, so I went through that whole process. Um, name of the company. I was going to name the company something more on my last name. And that's yeah. been, that has been it up until living in New York and starting this. What was your, what was your original name? Uh, so, so my nickname, well, some people call me Benito, which is basically a combined version of Bennett, which is my last name. Uh, with uh, a Louisiana, like Cajun French, E-A-U-X, right? So Thibodeau, Boudreaux, Benito. Right. And so that's just kind of stuck around. And so I, that's what I was going to call the company. And then I realized, I was like, nobody even knows what that is. Like, how do you say it? What's the... What, right, what's there the, could be some miscommunication there, right? From a brand recognition standpoint, which is critical. Yeah, like what's the what's the domain on that, <laughs> right? Like, so... Um, so I just they're going to be able to spell my website, right? Like exactly, exactly. These are serious questions. They are, and 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 you know, and I'm just talking with my friends, and I'm like, this does not make sense. Like nobody's going to know, and and just through the journey of going to stores and starting to learn, and through the process of it, I kind of have I've really taken from my past experiences and said, and this vision started showing up. It's kind of what I mean. We're at the beginning of it still today, but. I really started looking at, and the company Dreams Aren't This Good, which is what we have today, was a tagline of Benito Salsa Company. One day, this is like 2011, maybe. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, Dreams Aren't This Good. I was like, that's an amazing tagline. And it's always stuck with me. And I started, as I started looking at things and pieces started to come together, I was like, I'm just going to call the whole company Dreams Aren't This Good. Let's roll with it. I don't even know what that is, but we'll I started. Out. <laughs> yeah, I figured it out. But the main thing is I knew that, you know, I did my research, right? Like I went to as many stores as possible um, and kind of doing rogue research while getting paid, <laughs> honestly. Um, but I started looking at it and I was like, nobody has really taken this approach to a salsa brand that right, I you've know seen it, you've seen it in beverage you've seen everyone take the bottle first approach let's take the high-end design yep. let's make it stand out because the whole thing is disrupting right like mm -hmm. you're going into a category you said listen salsa we have and correct me if i'm wrong here you yeah. have your, your your pepsico brands right you have your tostito brands you have all the stuff that everyone's familiar with 
Correct. Right? And then you get a couple of like these organic looking things that are out there that are super expensive, like the organic peanut butter kind of shit that's out there, right? Like, yep. and all that. And you're looking at the labels and those look homey and nice and kind of made in someone's kitchen, everything. And you said, how am I going to stand out? What the hell is the consumers going to think if they see a big black label on their salsa? Is that going to stand out to them? Like, what was that thought process? Yeah. And, and I take a lot, uh, you know, I, I credit my experience with be somebody a lot and, and my friend and the founder there, because, you know, just from a branding and kind of hustle point of view, like understanding that you, you have to do this, you have to f- figure out something, right. That is going to make you different. Hmm. And, and it's interesting in this space, and this is kind of re- like really getting into it is yeah, I, had, go for I, it. I had to look at, so the salsa industry is a $1.3 billion industry, which most people don't know that, right? Like that's massive. Yeah, for people love their dips, man. Everybody eats salsa, but no brand loyalty, zero. Is it just whatever you feel is on sale, whatever looks good to you, whatever you could grab? If you go to 7-Eleven last minute, you got to grab your salsa and chips and beers. Yeah. I, I mean, I literally in our deck and I tell people, it's like, I just buy what's next to the chips. Right. Because people are either to your point, they're either making it like someone loves to make salsa and they're making their own shit or they're just getting whatever they can in the store. And if something appeals to them, right, if it looks good, what yep. they're feeling, there's no loyalty. There's there's zero loyalty. And the and... Tostitos stuff is fine, but it's so bland. It literally <laughs> is a Coke and Pepsi of salsa. There's nothing it wrong with it. It's nothing wrong with it. It's fine, but it's not for everybody. Yeah. A hundred percent. And this is, this is to me part of the driver, right? Is how can you build something? And this is what I'm looking at before even launching the company. I'm like, okay, dreams aren't this good. I, nobody knows it's a salsa company. So strategically I'm doing that, right? Because I want it to be, I want it to have the potential to be more, right? right you're so not shit, limiting yourself by calling it Benito salsa company. Correct. Exactly. It's not about me right? Like this is not about me. It's about the product and it's about the brand and it's about what it can be by other, other people. And, and so I kind of know that. And, and I looked at it, how do we apply that to our brand and how do we start coming up with something that's totally different because the black and white stands out. Uh, I mean, it's simple, right? I mean, I, I went as cool, far- looks premium and depending on your market, it's yeah. going to catch your eye. Correct. Yeah, and I mean, I've I've gone as well, let's deep show as it. Let, let, move the camera yeah. a little bit. Let's see the logo on your shirt, so people who are oh, watching yeah. this on video, right? Like, that's a label, right? Something like that. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can see it in the back. Like, those are our branded boxes. And I'll and I'll link everybody to this. Don't worry, we'll get yeah, to that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I just started looking at all these pieces, either organically based on my experience, or literally looking at the shelf, and I'm like, none of this excites anyone. Right. The red, the yellows, the greens are all kind of blending together, all this color palette. Cause that's the thing. If you think about merchandising and, and we're talking with your friend, the roommate in the cousin, you have to stand out. Correct. Branding Correct. equals differentiation. How do you stand out in a crowded, loud space? And you said, I'm going to go black, man. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, I've gone as deep as like even Brooklyn. I'm like, and in New York, and I think this is what we're very focused on infusing into the brand is, I mean, I think the colors of Brooklyn are black and white. Yeah, look at the Nets, man. Exactly. Like Jay-Z has a massive influence, but, but I think just that's where it fits. I mean, everybody in New York wears black. It's kind of just taking the, the ethos and the essence of what is here and then how do we 
put that into a product and brand in a space where nobody's doing anything exciting. Right. So but let's talk about the product itself though. And I had a chance yep. to taste it. It's, it's certainly, it's certainly good in its quality. Um, how did you get the word out like sampling? I mean, how do you get the word out and build a brand from scratch? Still like, learning. ultimately it's about the product, right? Like Matt, ultimately it's about the yeah. product. If your product tastes like shit, no one's going to buy it anyway. Because right? it Correct. has to start with the product. It doesn't matter. You can put lipstick on a pig. It's still a pig. The product has to be excellent. I mean, what was some of that? I mean, thankfully you said you had 20 years of, of, of making this formula. Like how different is what we have in the jar from your original? It's not far. Um, but, I mean, there's obviously certain nuances for yeah, shelf life and, and right. Yeah, it's definitely different. I mean, I, I, what I had to do is, so one, right, keep in mind, I had two flavors. And when I went to launch and actually was able to say, okay, we're going to put this out now, then I had advice, was like, you really should launch with three flavors. And I didn't have a third why, flavor. Why three? And, what, was, what was the thought process there? Well, the thing is, like in grocery, for example, or just markets or whatnot, is, you know, two products, two lines, basically, right? Like if I have two water bottles, they're going to get lost, right? There's just a mass. Three is a good number. It's an odd number. Yeah. So you start and and buyers, and this is what was told to me, was, okay, you need three. You're probably going to be able to get more accounts. You're going to get the shelf space that you need. It's noticeable enough. Um so I made the Just Dance, which is the jalapeno pineapple. And it's good. It's good. <laughs> thank you. And, and and that's so we launched with those three. Um, and then, you know, and we can talk more about strategy. Um, but yeah, we launched with those three. And so that's where I just I was like, all right, we have the three products and this is what we're we're going with. Yeah, I love it. So what was like the first store that said, Matt, we believe in you. We're gonna give you a chance here. Yeah, so, and this is, so I'll, I'll step back a second. I think part of the learning and depending on whatever, whatever you're doing is like, I wasn't even planning on selling to stores initially, right? You were just going to go direct? Right. Or? I was like, well, oh, I can go somewhat direct. Um, but more, I was like, oh, I'm just going to go to a pop-up, you know, artist markets. And, right, kind of do know, the market arm, thing. Arm and market. Like I just, because, right, like I made these products not knowing that they would sell. Right, like you, you're, you're right. That's a that's a very fair point. Like right. you didn't just go right to the stores. Like you said, right, let me let me see if this thing has market viability. Do people want? It? Is there demand for it? Correct. You know, I need to learn enough to have the confidence and like, okay, if I put this on a shelf, I don't even know what happens after that. But you know, I was like, all right, if I put this in a store. So I did that for about two months, and I quickly realized one that I had something, but two, I was like, I don't have the bandwidth. It's not worth the investment at this time uh, because it's literally like me, right? So doing everything and, you know, a couple of friends jump in here and there, but I'm doing it all. And I was like, all right, this is not really going to work. <laughs> so I need to start going to stores and seeing if we can get a bit more traction. And so, so I started in Williamsburg in Brooklyn and just walking store to store street, map it out, uh, found all the special, I went down Kent Avenue and right, the all the specialty stores. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All the specialty right on Domino park and the first store, was Meckelberg's, which is awesome, amazing store, um, wonderful people. And they were like, yeah, we'll take it. I was like, okay, cool. And, right. and uh, then I went down the street to City Acres. Yeah, we'll take that. So I just kept doing it. And 
you know, in this a is month. the work, man. This is the work. This is the <laughs> grind that goes it, into it. It's, it's not like Trader yeah, Joe's like, just gonna be like, bring it, give us a million cases. Yeah. No, you know, and we're we're getting there, but you know, it's I think one of the best parts of it, and I have to check myself sometimes, is like one, remembering what you've done, but two, like this is how it is. Like I know my stores that I've been into. I know what it takes to get it into the shelf. So I can one share that and I can, you know, teach somebody, I can educate, I can also learn more. But two is like understanding that every store is different, every buyer's different, every layout is different. Mm -hmm. So there's so many factors that go into the process of taking something and getting it to the consumer that you just don't realize until you're in the middle of it doing it and being able to go and then rack up 20 accounts in Williamsburg and Greenpoint in about a month, month and a half. And I was like, okay, we got something. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a minute. It's, it's, yeah. it's one thing. Let's be real here. It's yeah. one thing to sell a, a cool, hip, bespoke kind of salsa brand in Brooklyn. And listen, maybe that's what you're going for and you're perfectly fine with that. But I have a feeling that you're looking for a little yeah. bit bigger at this point. How is a product like that going to translate in the middle of the country? And how's it going to translate to the Budweiser drinking, you know, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how yeah. is that going to land outside of the the urban hip areas of the country? Yeah. Or, think, or is that not your market? Like, what's your thoughts here? Yeah. I, again, you know, I come back to just continuing to learn. Like, we're so early. I mean, we're 20 months in um, and having great success, very thankfully. But I, I have, I think organically what we're finding, whether it's, black and white packaging, whether it's just that it looks cool. Um, I kind of say we're building the brand for today's consumer, right? Salsa consumer. Um, you know, there's so many factors. Is it a give back piece, which we can talk about? Yeah, as definitely. Well. But, you know, I what I've learned is I don't know the answer to that question yet, honestly. You're getting there. Right? And, you know, if I put it in Des Moines, Iowa, what's going to happen? I don't know. However... I'm very confident if you, the, the thing I have learned, I, I guess I should say it this way, is if you put it in the right place, in the right store, right, at the right price, it's going to sell. Right. So It stands out. People looking at it, they want to try something different. And salsa is also exactly. a low barrier to entry type of thing where it's kind of a one-off, right? You're not changing your brand of laundry detergent here, which might affect right. your for right. laundry. Right. Like, it's like, let's try it. If it's good, great. If it sucks, screw it. We're never going to get it again. Exactly. Um, and that's, yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point, right? Like, it's like, is this going to catch your eye is the word dreams and strategically, right? I literally put that on there. I'm like, I know it, I know at least I can get your attention because it has the word dreams on it. And you either connect with that or you don't. And mm -hmm. most people, most people do. And so it's like, at least if I can get your intrigue, then thank you. And then yeah. two, let the product do itself, right? Like yeah. let it let it work. Let the product the product talk for itself. Exactly. So let's talk about the branding for a moment. And I urge everybody to check out the website because I I've been on it doing my research and prep for the show, and it's just different. I mean, it literally looks like a tough mutter competition with people fighting over <laughs> salsa right there. I mean, it's very hip. It's modern. It's urban. It's got a good feel to it. I mean, that's disruptive. That's disruptive, man. What was the thought process about building out what the brand ethos and feel was? Yeah, I, I think you know looking at it. And trying to, knowing that what is in the jar is, I say it's the freshest shelf-stable sauce on the market. Um, I believe that, but I've also been told that. So I'm like, all right, let me run with that. Um, 
so I know what's in it is solid. I, I mean, obviously, I believe it's the best in the world. But outside all the other components to help build the brand, looking at, um, you know, the give back piece to the colors, the colors of our lines um, or mm -hmm. the flavors are highlighted by the subway lines of New York. So that's pretty cool. Too, yeah. Yeah, they're literally the and that's on the jar, literally the pantones of that. So infusing along with ingredients, how do we infuse our culture and our what started this into the brand? I mean, even these lines here, right? Are, well, I guess over here are right. to me, well, they rep, you know, and this is all branding, is like I started coming up with this by wearing these ear pods walking around for two years to build the to like start this thing. Mm -hmm. And these represents the crosswalks of New York. Yeah. Um that's cool. On the top of our logo is a cloud logo icon, right? Which is our logo as well. And it's like I say, you're walking into your dreams because you live in New York City, right? And so all these pieces, we started putting into the branding and the, the packaging. And then I have a wonderful creative team. So I started with a creative team um, because I wanted to bet on brand. I knew, I knew that we had to design and make something that is different to be able to have a chance. And I could put out any product with a sticker on it and it just doesn't matter. No, but how no. can, how can we get that emotion into like on our site? Like you said, those composites are created by our team and they conceptualize them. I don't even really get involved. And how do we create this, experience really extending from just taking this and be like, Oh, cool. I got some salsa. How do you really extend that experience to the consumer and through all these types of branding and then start tying together as a whole of how do you actually start getting that loyalty? Because it's just something that has never been presented in this way for this type of brand. Yeah, that's awesome. And let's yeah. talk about the give back program for a moment here. Um, and each line, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong here, each line is tied to a different charity, you know, and, and they're personally related, I believe. Like, so tell us a little bit more about yeah. this give back program, why it's important and why you decided that each line was going to go to something different versus just a brand going to one charity. Yeah, it's a, it's a great, great question. Um, I think it's an underlying piece to, to what we're doing that is part of the bigger vision. And, and that's developed along the way, um, but it all started. So I just wanted to give back. I was like, it's kind of just me. And I'm like, there's gotta be a way to do this. But the challenge initially was we have a glass jar, right? It's heavy. It's, it doesn't cost, you know, a dollar to make this thing, right? So, or yet, <laughs> but, but I think I had to find a way to do this because you can't do the you know the warby parker the toms model like it's just i'd be selling right. 25 dollars jars of salsa. right they buy one salsa give <laughs> give a very needy person who needs salsa, salsa right so so i really and this is exciting to share because i i 100 believe it's a unique way in building a brand um but it's also just diverse in the sense of like how do we reach more people to to share that right and so what i what i started doing was i i looked at it and so we had the original so i was like i want to get back um i need a partner and so i went out to hunger free america and i partnered with them and this is before we even had the product um 
And they're like, yeah, I love what you're doing. I was literally making and bringing them fresh jars of salsa. I was like, this is what I want to do, you know? And like, cool. And, yeah, they want to kick us some money back. Sure. Great. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting point too. Not all, not all partners will just like say, yeah, right. Like, they want to make sure it aligns, right? They want to make sure like, that it makes sense. Exactly. Do the brands share DNA per se? Right. Um, you know, they're kind of licensing, like I'm licensing their logo in a way, right? I mean, you um, are leveraging them for your branding too, because there's brand association. Exactly. They don't want to just slap their brand on anything, right? You, you're like, exactly. you know, you're not selling vape pens, right? They don't want to. Yeah, exactly. So, so I started looking at it and I was like, all right, we have a, we have a base, but then, I, you know, I was like, it's gotta be bigger. Right. And then this is just me personally, like my vision is very big. Um, and so I, I was like, I think we have to reach more people. Like, how do we do that? And mm -hmm. I can't, I came up with the idea and I've kind of done this backwards as well, where music is a huge inspiration into the brand and, you know, myself and the world. And I, I really started looking at it. So I took the ingredients themselves and the name of it. I was like, all right, the original. Um, and then we take hunger free America. We're a base line food and beverage company, right. right? Like EPG food company. So let's just keep it simple. And then I said, how are we going to donate? And so I started honestly just going, when I was going to Starbucks, I see the ethos water there. Mm -hmm. And so this was part of it and they donate five cents to every bottle sold. And I was like, all right, that's interesting. Um, and then if you go and look, at food products, there's no laws, there's nothing, nothing on the label that says recycle this jar and get 10 cents or whatever for every water bottle. Bottles. bottles, which I still don't understand. I'm like, I could it's still glass, that. same thing as a glass beer bottle. Exactly. So, you know, that's a whole nother thing yeah. <laughs> where, you know, you could change that in the industry. But, um, but basically I came up with, if we can take five cents for every jar and or bag at this now because we have tortilla chips um, and donate five cents to a partner, then, you know, over time, obviously this is a long game and that starts to add up over time and creates massive impact. Mm -hmm. So the way we're doing that and now the strategy we have is so original is partnered with Hunger Free America. And then I came up with the garlic cilantro is called the fighter. And this is really where I'm trying to take the company is one, we focus on flavor and not heat levels just for anyone watching. Like, right. It's of, not like mild, medium, hot, right? Exactly. You're doing flavors. It's a flavor. That's a key differentiator here. Yeah. And, and that's about experience, right? So every flavor you're like, Oh, this is pineapple. You start thinking of it. So, and giving the, the flavors personality, but also tying the, the flavors to the partner. Like, how do you do that authentically? Mm -hmm. And so we went out and created the fighter, which is named after the fighter by gym class heroes inspired by, um, as I was walking around listening to these and gym class heroes is from New York. And so that's one side of it. And then the other side, I was like, how do we find a partner that either they might've been involved with, or that would connect authentically. And so we partnered with MTV Staying Alive, which fights HIV and AIDS, and hence the fighter. And then, yeah, and then Just Dance, which is the most obvious. A lot of people don't know th this, um, so I appreciate like being able to share it, is because the story is growing, and how do you take, now we have Just Dance, which is named after Lady Gaga, is inspired by, 
Um, and it's also the NQWR line. And then the partner is the LGBT Center of New York, which Lady Gaga very much supports yeah. the gay she, you know, the gay community. So um, and then we have Now or Never, which is our fourth flavor, which is avocado pepper. Uh, and then the partner is Ace, which fights homelessness. So I basically say you're going to change your life now or never going to do it. Um, and then the fifth partner and flavor is Girls, 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 which is blueberry coconut, which Interesting. is... I got to yeah, try that one. Yeah, it's a very... like, And I can share more on that. But the partner is Girl Up, which is Young Women Empowerment. Awesome. And, and, the, and the song is actually a, a Wyclef song, not Jay-Z or Van Halen. Um, <laughs> but so that's how we tie it all together. And, and looking forward... You know, so every line um, has a different partner, and then every line also receives direct donations from the sales of those products, right? So, um, additionally, I should say that that our tortilla chips—I can't forget them. Um, they're the—I mean, they're, they're pretty good of, too. They're kind of the like extra piece that's like now you have the experience. Um, but their partner is LifeBeat, which is sexual awareness, mm -hmm. uh, increasing that. So, so amazing partners all on board. Um, and we donate to them directly. And then um, with that, obviously continuing to grow what we're doing. But looking forward, you know, I really want to take that model and kind of basically Ben and Jerry salsa. So how do we launch more flavors? How do we? And there's many ways to do that, right? Community driven. You see other brands doing yeah. it. Ben and Jerry's kills it. They do. It. I mean, they're the innovator. Fun, they're fun, the innovator. Fact, fun yeah. fact, Ben and Jerry went to my high school. Fun okay. Fact. Awesome. Yeah. And so, and then, and so did Debbie Gibson. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> but yeah, so just looking at other brands doing it and then how can we do it in our space? Right. Oh, I love it. That's, um, that's commendable. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely awesome. What's your favorite flavor? If you had to pick one. So it's always been original, uh, mainly well, because you have loyalty, man. I mean, I, I mean, OG will but, look back at you and be like, Matt, what the, what the F man? Like, why, why, why don't you love me like that anymore? Yeah. I mean, the real answer is all of them, but, <laughs> um, but no, not now I, I lean currently to now or never, which is an avocado pepper. It's, it's just different than our other four flavors in a way that it's consistency is smooth, but you don't really taste the avocado. Hmm. Um, I think it has the most spice, but it's not spicy hot. Interesting. Um, like I think it, yeah. So, so right now it's now or never, but that changes depending on season. It depends, you know, right. Like you got it. Well, that's just cool about it. It's, it's mood based also when you're shopping in, in the down, walking down the aisle and you're picking it. What are, what's your stance as a salsa expert and a dipping expert? What's your stance on double dipping? You can do it if you flip the chip around. So, so you're still biting the edge of it, though. Yeah, but technically not double dipping in it, right? Like, so <laughs> I, I, I never, I never do it because I just eat the whole chip. Right, exactly. Um, you shove the whole like, thing. In. You can flip it around and use the other end that's not touched. But you know, it's interesting. I thought, I thought when Tostitos came out with the scoop chip was the greatest innovation in in snacking in a long time. I'm a big fan of the scoop. It just makes sense here. Yeah. Um, but I think your flavors are certainly uh, on the cusp of of greatness here, and I want everyone to try them. I want everyone to go out. And we'll link that up in a little bit. But I want to talk for a second about you know the entrepreneurship journey. You know, what was the hardest lesson that you have learned? You know, in the past couple of years. Yeah, that's a big question, <laughs> you know, um, big show. I think, I think probably for me, I've been super thankful to, to have the right people around me. Um, 
and di different facets, right? Um, but I think I take that and that is so important if you don't have the right people because this is, I mean, as you know, right? Like, and I, and I watched some of your videos and it was awesome. I watched, I mean, your intro video on your YouTube, I watched it and- Oh, thanks, man. Like you got fired from Gary V, right? Like that sucks. It did. But, but <laughs> now you're here, right? And and that wouldn't happen without the people around you. And And then further, the biggest thing that I have to check with myself every now and then is just understanding that understanding at some point, you know that you can do it, right? Confidence. Yeah, like, well, yeah, confidence. But it builds, right? Like you build that exactly. self-worth, that like I'm doing something right, this feels good. Yeah, and, and I think it takes all those things, right, as part of the journey to understand that. Um, but then knowing that I've kind of been through most everything I can go through. I mean, something's going to happen. Like I'm trying to raise money now. I'm like, all right, this is going to, this is going to be challenging. Right. Um, but I know it's going to happen. Right. Like we, we've built value in some way, but me personally, along the journey, just knowing that I'm willing to go through this because I know I can do it and I know it can be done versus questioning. I'm not, I, I, I don't really focus on the how it's going to happen. I just know it's going to happen. And I know that I, I can just, there's something that you learn along the way that it doesn't start to become a question. You just already know the answer. You just have to go find it. That's called manifesting, my friend. Yeah. That's called True. manifesting. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Matt, yeah, what's, what's, yeah, man. What's, what's the single greatest piece of advice that you've ever received that you take action on every single day of your life? Um, we're, we're in the home stretch here, man. Yeah, yeah, heavy no, stuff. Yeah, no, I, I love talking about this stuff. Um, I mean, you know, people, well, someone once told me that, you know, you just have, well, two things. And I don't know why these particularly stick out. Um, but many years ago, somebody told me, they're like, you just have to keep zigging and zagging until you get there, wherever there is, right? So you could say that many different ways, but for some reason that really stuck with me and it made sense to me. Um, and it's just like your own game. Like you just have to keep going, right? And, but zigging and zagging really stuck with me for some reason. And then when I moved to New York, I'd been to New York before and spent some time, but you know, living here is totally different than being a tourist or- a Oh, hell yeah. Like Whole totally different. different. And thankfully I have my, my buddy, you know, he's like been in it for, he's lived here for about six years. So he's a little ahead of me. Um, you know, but I, but I think what happened was I was probably three or so months in living here and I walked out my door. I, I was living in the lower East side and I walked out my door and I, I don't know if it was a, a guy from the building or, or what, but he just showed up and we started chatting and he said, you either get on the side, you know, like, I don't even know what they call them in airports, but the things that the people movers, yeah, right? <laughs> like they have a name for them, but he's like, you either get on that or you're going home. And again, it just made sense. It was the right place in my life, I think. And 
I think about that. And obviously today where it doesn't have to be in New York that you're doing that, but here obviously it's a different speed. And, and I think understanding that gave me clarity on like, okay, this is the ride I want to be on. And this is the direction I want to go. And this is the pace I want to go to get to wherever we're going. Right. And, and maybe that's a, a long answer for it, but it really brought clarity, not necessarily advice, but it was just, Hey, this is how it is. And if you get on it, you're going to be good. Right. But if you don't, you're going to go the opposite direction. I'm like, I'm not going that way. So yeah, no, I get it, man. Now that's, yeah. that, that's a good one. And you, and, and what I've been hearing, you know, for the last 43 minutes is there's <laughs> this one word that keeps kind of resonating in my head and is this word authentic. And I think it really comes across strong in you. It comes across strong in the Thank product you. and the brand. Thank you. What does that word mean to you? Oh man, we, we could, we could get into some combo on that. You know, I think in short, well, you don't want me to over edit the show. Believe me. Yeah, no. In short, one from two sides, like one, I know that that is way more prevalent in the world today. Like it, it, with everything recorded, you know, it's just where we are. Right. And I mostly, I have to make sure that I'm being myself as much as possible. And if I do that, then it'll come through with my team. It'll come through in the brand. It'll come through in communication on Instagram, et cetera. That like, I think it's just the key to getting where I believe we can be as a, a company. Um, and then making sure that I'm doing the best I can to be as authentic as possible with my team and with the people around me. Um, some people say just real with people, you know, and, and I think I'm still working on it. Right. I, I know. Yeah, and work I, in I, progress. Yeah. I mean, I greatly appreciate that, that from you um, because I, I am, I mean, this is just me, like, you know, whatever yeah, it is, what you whatever, get. whatever it is. And, yeah. and I think it's, I, I think, it, I think once you are that way and once you just be that person, um, then this is what happens, right? The right people start to show up. Uh, the the yeah exactly so the the success and whatever level that is and and I think that I I'm continually working on navigating between the personal and the brand um, and not trying to put like trying to focus on just putting the same thing out all the time yeah. and it's incredibly yeah. difficult unless you unless you're in it. and where do, where do you where do you see where do you see the brand five years from now you know on your on your on your on your dream board on your vision board you know where do you yeah. see where do you see the brand i mean i want to be national um i believe that yeah in five years i mean i'm a couple years in already i believe in the next year to two years i want to own the northeast um maybe three years and you know own being like you know people know that this is a new york brand it's it's from here and mm -hmm. and and getting loyalty and then you know taking that obviously this is going to take some finances and more team and better people um which i'm excited about because i i want to build that and and then in five years i i believe we have the opportunity to go nationwide and and that could mean on the coast it could mean you know 
around the country. You know, I don't, I don't know that yet. You'll figure I, it out. Yeah, but I 100% believe in five years we can do that. And then past that, I, I want to start looking at international. The dream, the dream, the dream is there, man. And Matt, last but not least, right? You, you've been through a roller coaster of a journey as an entrepreneur, roller coaster in life. You know, there were those moments when you really had to dig down deep inside. And something I believe every real true entrepreneur has in spades is tenacity. And you had to dig down deep and pull yourself up. And now looking back on it, I see cases of the product behind you. You're wearing that logo and brand that you created so proudly. And the future is bright. Matt Bennett, what is your North Star? What's your compass? What keeps it going? My, I think there's a, for me, I, I really believe that if I, like I'm here to create something that people get to share. But ultimately for me is I'm very driven by what I think can be done, whatever that is, right? Mm -hmm. And I look at what's the greatest opportunity that I can conceive of for whatever I'm putting my energy, passion into. And I want to be the one that is driving the vision of it to create something in a way or in a space, whatever you want to say, that has never been done before. And that's what I focus, not 100%, but that's where I get the tenacity from because I know it can be done if I find the right people. Yes, I love it. Matt, yeah. thank you for sharing us. Um, where can folks find more about you? Where could they find more about dreams aren't this good, that good, this good, that good? Um, where <laughs> yeah. could folks find out more? And uh, if where could they get it? Where can they get their hands on this stuff? Yeah, so so we sell currently in about 200 accounts, a little over 200 accounts in New York, Connecticut, uh, the boroughs, Connecticut, and then upstate to Albany about. And that's going to be growing in January, big time, awesome. um, all the way down to Virginia. And then online at dreamsarentthisgood.com, literally spelt out. Um, and then Instagram is our main focus handle. Uh, it's D-A-T-G, which is acronym, and then cartel. So continually pushing boundaries there as well. Yes, there you go. It's the salsa cartel. He's the Tony Montana of salsa. He's taking over the salsa market. Uh, I was absolutely a pleasure to meet you, Matt. I look forward to continuing our relationship. Hang with me for one moment as I sign off here. Everyone joining us today, please go out and try this out. And if you can't get your hands on it, hopefully you had an opportunity to really understand who Matt Bennett is, understand this journey of him building this incredible salsa lifestyle brand, which is pretty awesome here. It's a great product. Get your hands out there and dip. Well, don't double dip. Or maybe you can double dip. There's a lot of things going on here with COVID. Remember this. You know where to find out more about us at thepodcast.com, all the social channels. I appreciate everyone from following us, listening. If you like this episode, drop a rating, drop a review. It helps us. Remember, wash your hands, stay six feet apart, and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Wisdom is forever. But for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon jam-packed with more incredible humans thank you for listening subscribing and sharing to join the conversation search the podcast on linkedin and to catch up on past episodes and more info please visit www.thepausecast.com